1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10 through 15. Hear now the word of the Lord. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and some one else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. I remind you that this is God's holy and inspired word. It contains all that we need for faith and for life. The grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of our Lord abides forever. Let us once again pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Without it, we can make no progress in our sanctification. Teach us, Lord, full obedience, holy reverence, For your purity, as we just sung. Make it be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Teach us, Lord. Speak, O Lord, for your servant is listening. We pray that all in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. I once knew a man who was trying to sell his house to me. Of all I could see, it was a fairly nice house. The bedrooms were nice. The kitchen and the bathrooms were nice. And my family and I were daydreaming about if we bought this house, what it could be for us. But I asked an architect if he would come look at the house and give his professional opinion about whether we should buy it. He came and gave his opinion on the matter. He said, don't just walk from this house. Run from it. Run from it. He said this, he said this because it had a faulty foundation. And we would constantly be repairing it. On closer inspection, you could see it in the carport. You could see the cracks in the walls and the windows that had shifted. And you could see the way that they had attempted to right the flawed foundation. The homeowners were not being dishonest. They just were attempting to cover up the cracks in the walls, in the walls and, and in the windows. However, we changed our course of action because of the architect's advice. 
Don't just walk from this house. Run from it. In this passage, Paul appears to draw a distinction between the people. These two sets of people. Those who have built on the solid foundation of Christ and those who haven't. Those who build on Christ with superior materials will receive a reward. Those who build on the materials with excuse me, those who build on Christ with inferior materials will certainly not. This leads us to the doctrine of the text, which is the foundation of the church is Christ, and the building materials should resemble Christ. Once more, the foundation of the church is Christ. And the building materials should resemble Christ. In other words, if Christ is truly the foundation of the church, you will be able to tell this by whether uh, another one builds upon it by imperishable things and people build on the foundation of, of Christ or else they will be ashamed because they have built with perishable things on the foundation Because the day of the Lord will manifest these things. I would like to make three three headings under the exposition. The reminder, verses 11 through 13, and this will be the longest section. Two, the reward, verses 14. And three, the recompense, verses 15. So the reminder, the rewards, and the recompense. Let us take the reminder first. Paul begins a reminder beginning in verse 10b. Like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. Paul begins by reminding the Corinthians that he was like a master builder, a wise builder, that he laid the church's foundation in Corinth. He continues in verse 11 and says, For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. I would like to remind you of this foundation. The word foundation runs throughout the passage. Verse 10 says, I laid a foundation. Verse 11 says, For no one can lay a foundation. Verse 12, If anyone builds on the foundation... And one more time in verse 14, if the work of anyone has built upon the foundation. Four times he mentions it from verses 10 to 15. He mentions the word foundation. So Paul indicates that we had better get this right and know what this foundation is. The foundation of the church is none other than Jesus Christ. I remind you, as I said last time, that the foundation of the church includes the cross of Christ. And this was according to the wisdom of God and the righteousness of God and Christ, excuse me, God's sanctification and redemption. Jesus Christ is the sole foundation of the church. And that is why you should remember it. John Calvin said in his commentary, that we must continue to preach Christ 
until the very completion of the building. In order to be faithful to Christ, we must preach Christ and Him crucified. The only way that we can be faithful is by proclaiming Christ and Him crucified. Remember, remembering that Christ is the sole foundation of the church leads us again to a warning. Verse 10b says, Let each one take care how he builds upon it. This constitutes a severe warning in which continues in verse 12. Now, if anyone builds upon the foundation. Dr. Kistemacher says, the phrase, now if, is sufficiently broad to include every person who is actively working on behalf of the Lord. In other words, the term anyone is not restricted to preachers and teachers of the gospel. Every believer ought to build a structure on the foundation of God's word. If he is correct, everyone should take this warning. Even everyone in this congregation should take the heed of should take heed of the way he builds upon the church of Christ. They should remember the great foundation which is Jesus Christ and remember to take heed the way you build upon Christ. Remember that you can build with superior materials or inferior. Let's discuss the superior first. Verse 12 says, Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, and precious stones. These materials are meant to uh, construct temples. This This is exactly what you would expect to see in the context of verse 16 and 17, which records, Do you not know that you are temples of God, and that God's Spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple... God will destroy him, for God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. In this context, it is to be expected that we should be built of gold, silver, and precious stones in reference to a temple. As King Solomon directed in 1 Kings 5.11, at the king's command, they quarried out great and precious stones in order to to lay the foundation of the house. 1 Kings 6.20 and following, the inner sanctuary was overlaid with pure gold. And Solomon overlaid the inside of the house with pure gold, and he drew chains of gold across in in the inner sanctuary and overlaid it with gold. And finally, David had set apart silver, 1 Kings 7.51 And Solomon brought in the things of his father had dedicated the silver, the gold, and the vessels. Gold, silver, and precious or costly stones is what you would expect in building a temple. And this is ultimately where Paul goes. That we are a new temple. a, A new spiritual house. A new spiritual edifice. We are living stones and should be built upon those imperishable materials. These words also embrace the warning I just spoke of. That everyone 
should take heed to how he builds the church. We must build with superior materials, gold, silver, and precious stones. However, the Corinthians are warned from building with inferior materials. Verse 12 also says, if you construct with inferior materials, such as wood, hay, and straw, that will also be manifest. The materials are perishable. To continue the analogy, wood, hay, and straw are inferior means, inferior materials. They will not stand the test of time. These, material, these materials are all biodegradable. This is not sufficient for a material that is built upon Christ as the foundation. And further, this is insufficient for building a temple. Those means give the impression that Christ is perishable. That Christ was here today and gone tomorrow. You cannot build upon a perishable foundation. It stands to reason that Christ is an imperishable commodity. He is the only source that you can possibly build your foundation upon. And these inferior materials can be tested thirdly by fire. Fire is said four times in the last three verses. The end of verse 13 reveals to us that which is considered perishable. Wood, hay, and straw because it will be, verse 13, revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. Verse 15 says that these works will be burned up. And again, these only will be tested as through fire. These three things, wood, hay, and straw, are perishable. And it is manifest or exposed by fire. Gold, silver, and precious stones are of a different nature from wood, hay, and straw. These are imperishable. However, these self-appointed ministers labor to build on perishable materials. That is completely unacceptable to the foundation of Christ. We made a fire pit in the backyard uh, when we were living in Waynesboro. One, on one particular occasion, we didn't put out the fire completely. We thought we did, but we did not. I was looking out of the bedroom window and, and I was taken aback because the backyard had, had been on fire. And if I didn't get a water hose fast enough, there was nothing that would prevent uh, from spreading to the next yard, the, the fire from spreading to the next yard and then the next and etc. So I rushed to, to get a water hose and thankfully I was able to put it out because if I had not, there would have been nothing standing in the way of this fire. I was surrounded by trees and grass and straw. That is what Paul is speaking of here. That we must all build the church on an imperishable foundation because Jesus Christ is imperishable. 
He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And therefore, we must not build on any perishable material, materials. Paul gives one other reminder that I will speak of. The reminder that there is a day coming when all will be manifest. Verse 13 says, Each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it. What is the day according to 1 Corinthians? This is the day of the Lord. This is also spoken of in a similar context in 1 Corinthians 1.8 and uh, 1 Corinthians 5.5-6. This is the day of judgment. As Hebrews 9.27 says, Just as it is appointed for man to die once, then comes the judgment. This is the day of the Lord. The day when the Lord Jesus returns and will be the final day of human history. This day will expose whether you built on the foundation of Christ and whether you used superior materials or inferior. If you have built with superior materials, you will receive a reward. This is our second heading, the reward. Verse 14 recalls, if if the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. Those laborers appointed by God will build upon the foundation of Jesus Christ and thus receive a reward. Now, this is very mysterious to me. That anyone would expect to receive a reward for their time spent upon earth. The Scriptures say again and again that we are wicked and guilty sinners. And we don't deserve any reward for the works that that, that we have done because it is not done by faith and therefore does not give glory to God. However, when God renews our hearts by the work of the Holy Spirit and makes us a new creation and justifies, adopts us, and sanctifies us merely by His grace, God says in His Word that we will receive rewards on how we build upon the foundation. Again, that is very mysterious to me. Will God, who completely saved us by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, also give rewards to us? Should we expect any rewards other than our salvation? Shouldn't we just do this because we are commanded to? Without any concept of reward? Jesus says no. Jesus gives the indication that Christians will be rewarded if they obey. The Sermon on the Mount is a case in point. In Matthew 5-7, through Jesus makes constant appeal to rewards. And He says, He speaks of this in Matthew 5, verses 12, Matthew 5, verse 46, 6, 1, 2, 4, 5, 6, 16, and 18. The most memorable uh, memorable memorable passages 
that spoke on rewards was uttered again uh, against the Pharisees in Matthew 6, 5, and 6. I'll read it. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they might be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Will reward you. So the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ say that the works that you do here and now, if it comes from superior means, and if it passes through the fire, you will receive rewards. Gordon Fee, in his commentary on this passage, says, Thus, as surely as there is a final judgment, there are also rewards and losses. What is not known, either from this passage or elsewhere, is the nature of that reward. This text only affirms its certainty. The most, the most, excuse me, there most definitely are eternal rewards, although the nature of it is uncertain. Furthermore, in our doctrinal standards, the Westminster Confession of Faith, chapter 16, section 6, says that we should expect rewards if we build on the foundation of Christ. It says this, Notwithstanding, the persons of believers being accepted through Christ, their good works are also accepted in Him. Not as though they were in this life wholly unblameable and unapprovable, unreprovable in God's sight, but that He, looking upon Him in His Son, is pleased to accept and reward that which is sincere, although accompanied with many weaknesses and imperfections. And these these divines give 1 Corinthians 3.14 as a proof text of this. That rewards are only given by faith in Christ and in union with Christ. When God looks upon the Son in us, He rewards us for any good works that we do in sincerity. Therefore, we can expect rewards if we build on this foundation, which is Christ. Imperfectly, but nevertheless, we will receive rewards. The third heading and final heading is this, the recompense. Recompense is defined this way. The compensation or rewards given for loss or harm suffered or made or effort made. Synonyms are compensation, reparation, and restitution. See how this compares to the following verse. Verse 15 says, If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. If anyone's work is burned up in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ, this brother will suffer tremendous loss. Though a Christian, 
he will be saved, but it is only through the fires of judgment. That is what I mean by recompense. He will suffer great loss. He who builds anything different from the foundation of Jesus Christ, he will suffer loss. If that person is a believer, he can be saved, but when he stands before the judgment, he will have to give an account for his building upon Christ with inferior materials, the wood, straw, and hay. And he will be forced to testify to these things. He will be saved, but it is only through the judgment of Christ. With this, we now turn to the applications. What is the gold, silver, and precious stones that he encourages them to teach from? Paul doesn't explain. However, we can assume that these qualities are imperishable. They can never perish. They can never, so to speak, die. Therefore, we can, all, therefore we can well assume that these materials, which are built upon the foundation of Christ, are imperishable as well. We cannot list them all, but we can make the following applications. First, truth is imperishable. Truth is imperishable. The truth as it is found in Jesus is imperishable. Jesus said in John 14.6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father except through me. He is the only way by which men can be saved. There is no other name by which we can be saved. Acts 4.12 It is fixed. The only way you can be saved is, is if you embrace Jesus by faith alone for salvation. This never comes to an end. It is always true. We should be proclaiming the truth as it is found in Jesus Christ. You, you can tell if the church's proclamation is being built upon superior materials if the proclamation is found on the truth of Jesus Christ. You can only be saved if you have faith in Jesus alone. That is that truth that is imperishable. You cannot be saved by Muhammad. You cannot be saved by any other Jewish Messiah. He is here. You cannot be saved by your good works. You cannot be saved by your sincerity. You cannot be saved by any other means than faith in Jesus Christ, who is the truth of God. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through Him. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus said before Abraham was, I am. Jesus said, I am the gate by which you must enter. Jesus is the good shepherd who leads the flock of God. Jesus is the foundation of which no one can lay any other. This is the truth as it is found in Jesus. If you embrace it with faith, you can be convinced of this truth, because truth is imperishable. Second, salvation is imperable. 
is imperishable. Jesus said in John 6.44, No one can come to Me unless the Father who sent Me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. And then, Jesus says, if the Father has drawn a man, no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. In other words, salvation is imperishable. If you are truly saved, no one can snatch you from, no one can snatch your salvation from you, and the Lord Jesus will raise you up on the last day because your salvation is in the strong hands of the Father. No one can snatch it from you. As Paul says in Romans 9.33, whoever believes in Him will not be put to shame. The one who truly believes will never be put to shame if he believes on the Lord Jesus Christ. The world is filled with shame and misery, but those who believe in the Lord will never be put to shame. Neither in life nor in death. Salvation is imperishable. Thirdly and lastly, love is imperishable. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13.8 that love is imperishable. He says, love never ends. Love is completely imperishable. Love never ends. Christ's love for the church never ends. Ephesians 5.25 Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her. Whoever has faith in Christ can be assured that He belongs to the church and that love with which He bought Him is eternal. The love of Christ is also eternal and it is imperishable. And lastly, Paul says, In Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me in the life I now live. In the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Christ's death is personal. Christ loved me. Christ gave Himself for me. Not just everyone in the world, but specifically for me. You know that Christ's love is personal. And that this death of Him, uh, the, the death of Himself is personal as well. He loved me with an everlasting love, as Jeremiah 31.3 says. Therefore, He gave His life for me as an imperishable sacrifice. Love is completely imperishable. If God loves you, if you have assurance of Christ's love, that love will never end throughout eternity. The love, that love will never perish. And you will experience that love for all eternity. Because the Father's love, the Son's love, and the Holy Spirit's love will reign in us as imperishable. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, 
we thank You for Your imperishable truth. And we thank You for Your imperishable salvation that has been given unto us. And Your imperishable love which is granted by God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And we ask that you might that you might take our hearts and move these things in us that the truth is imperishable that salvation is imperishable and that love is imperishable we ask this all in the name of Christ amen